Can a limited company save you tax? Is probably one of the most common questions we get asked at Medics Money. And we've done loads on this before. So episode 32 specifically dealt with the question of could a limited company save you tax? We've also done things on IR35. We've got loads of information on our blog. We've even written articles for doctors.net. And we've also done webinars on that. But recently, there's been some really important changes which are relevant for those of you that may be thinking of setting up as a limited company. So in this podcast, we get into the details of those changes today. And we talk about the March budget where there were some important changes to corporation tax. And of course, you listen to mine and Ed's budget special episode where we highlighted that as an issue, but we get more into the practicalities of what you can do to mitigate those changes. We also talk about how the recent changes to the pension thresholds might affect people with limited companies. Of course, we talk about buying Teslas or fully electric vehicles with the 1% to 2% benefit and kind rates that are available at the moment. And we also talk about something really interesting called associated companies. So it is a bit more detailed today. If you didn't listen to episode 32, I would recommend starting there and then dipping into today's episode. The other thing to say is, as always, the Medics Money podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of financial advice. And whilst me and Ed would be in favor of you sorting out your own tax codes and claiming your own tax rebates and analyzing your own budgets to see if you're wasting any money uh, and empowering you to do as much as you can yourself, if you're looking at any of the things that we're talking about today, you really do need advice. And of course, by now, you know where to find the best advisors for medics in the business at Medics Money. Welcome to the Medics Money podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins, and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's podcast, I am delighted to welcome Richard Norbury from Sanderson Eason Specialist Medical Accountants. Hi, Richard. Hi, Tommy. Thank you. Do you want to just start by telling the Medics Money podcast listeners who you are and why you're qualified to talk on today's pretty specialized subject? Thanks, Tommy. Yeah. Um, so I'm an associate at uh, Sanderson Eason. Um, I've been acting for medics for uh, 20 years, actually over 20 years now, myself personally. Uh, the firm is a specialist medical accountant, so we, we only act for medics. Um, and the firm's been in existence since the 1970s. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's what we do. We act for medics because we think that, you know, it is a specialised area and it does need our sole attention. So anything that's uh, going on in the in the world um, of, you know, in the medical world, um, we should be all over. Definitely. And it's been your one year anniversary of Medics Money uh, just recently. So we're so glad that you guys joined us and super lucky to have uh, firms of your caliber on board Medics Money. So it's really good. But let's get straight into the nitty gritty today, because this is going to be a really useful podcast for so many people. Now, 
we get loads of questions from doctors about should i start a limited company um and we've done loads of podcasts and blogs on that already but um we hear from loads of doctors who have decided to start a limited company specifically for private practice and usually the reason that they do that is possible tax savings and also to help with something we also talk about a lot on the podcast the dreaded annual allowance pensions tax charge that has been so punitive so for those doctors, or in fact, anyone who's thinking about starting in private practice, what current topical issues do they need to be aware of? Yeah, thanks, Tommy. So you're right. You, um, you know, a lot of our clients and, and medics in general will have uh, started in private practice. Uh, they may have started as a sole trader and moved into a limited company or a lot of people nowadays go straight into a limited company. Um, exactly right. Again, the, a big driver of this was to um, reduce annual allowance charges. Um, and one of the, you know, a couple of reasons why that works is that you can use a, use a spouse or a partner um, and introduce those, those people as shareholders in the company. But also, even if you drew out everything from the company and you were the sole shareholder, it basically means that your taxable income on your tax return was down to 81% after the 19% corporation tax. So even if you withdrew everything out from uh, with uh, as dividends, um, potentially you could reduce your taxable income on your tax return, which then meant you had more of the tapered annual allowance left, which can, again... Uh, might even just by doing that might have saved you tax and anything else was kind of a bonus. Um, Rishi Sunak in his latest budget obviously announced, and a lot of your listeners will be aware of this already, but he announced an increase in corporation tax rates. Um, so that's probably one of the most topical issues. Increased from April 2023 to 25% from anything um, for, for a larger company. How that works in practice, and this is probably an easier way to explain it, is that the first 50,000 of profit is still going to be taxed at 19%. So if you're doing private practice of 60,000, 70,000 and you can knock off your expenses, you're probably there or thereabouts at about 50,000. It's probably not going to have a huge impact. However, a lot of people in private practice will be doing more than that. If so, how it works is the marginal rate is actually taxed at 26.5%. And then in anything over £250,000 is taxed at 25%. So the marginal rate is the next £200,000. Um, so, so, yeah, so um, the, the other thing to mention is that anybody um, that has more than one company might well be caught by the associated company rules. Um, so you would need to watch out for that as well. Yeah, I think we talk about that in a bit, but I just want to quickly drill down into some really interesting things that you've already said. So you talked about how to take out the money uh, of a company. And if we're not going to get into the basics today, we've got a podcast on the basics, but essentially the money goes into the company and then you can either leave it in the company and you would pay just corporation tax on that or you could then take some of that money out and you might take it out as a salary you might take it out as a dividend you might take it out as a mixture of the two and you may if certain conditions have been met 
uh, pay it to your spouse as well? Is that a kind of whirlwind tour of that bit? Just the basics for people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly right, Tommy. You take it on a case by case basis, but that's kind of uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, and then the reason that can help is that because it can minimise your essentially your taxable income for the annual allowance purposes. Is that have I got that right? Yep. So if we can if we can tax it, if you know if it doesn't go on your personal tax return, you know it doesn't form part of your taxable income, then it can help with annual allowance tax charges. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to get into that today. We've done that to death on the podcast. Check out the previous <laughs> okay. episodes because uh, I know because I want to get into the more uh, current and detailed things. So something that we talked about on our budget analysis podcast um, as a big sort of thing for doctors was what you just mentioned: the rising corporation tax. So if you've got a private consultant who's got a limited company and is looking at those new um, corporation tax rates which are coming in. What are you going to do for that consultant to minimise the impact of this rise in corporation tax? What what can doctors do? Okay, so you mentioned the bits that we're already doing. So even by doing that, that might be that might be better than just carrying on as a sole trader, for example. Um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing that this. Well, it is a bad thing that the corporation tax is going up, but it's not necessarily still the worst option if you know what I mean just by seeing this rise go up um so one thing that you can do is use strategies that are already in place but you might slightly structure them differently um so one thing that we talk about with some of our clients is um is as you know purchasing an electric car at the moment is quite attractive uh, the benefit in kind rates for an individual are low, and I'm sure you've had other podcasts that um, that cover all of this. Currently, one percent going up to two percent, and I believe that's two percent um, up until 2025. Um, so, yeah, so you'll see a lot of Teslas and stuff in the trust car parts. Um, the way that you buy an electric car and when you buy it, that might be an option for you. So you might say, "Well, well, hang on a minute, I want to purchase a, a, an electric car outright." Um, so if you're going for a Tesla, it's probably 80 grand's worth of car or something like that, probably more. If you bought that outright from cash that you might have accumulated in the company, then you would get the tax relief in that particular tax year um, for, for the company. If that wiped out your profits, that gets carried forward and offset against the next year and, and the year after, et cetera. The thing to watch out for with that is when you actually sell it, a lot of consultants won't have a lot of fixed assets in the balance sheet you know typically a bit of it equipment that we always we claim annual investment allowances on which basically means we write them off in that year so we might have nothing in the pool and you buy this car for eighty thousand. you claim the cap the um, the 19 tax relief on it essentially what we don't want to do is then pay 26.5 percent tax when we come to sell it you know which might be it for thirty thousand pounds three years four years down the line um another option might be to look at a lease for example if you're leasing that company car then actually you get the tax relief on the on when you pay the premiums so that might be better for some people but again you need to look at sort of um, case by case basis um capital equipment as well so timing of when you might buy capital equipment 
Um, certainly if, um, if you've got uh, you know, high value stuff like a laser or something like that, it might be better to claim that or, 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 or make sure that it's ordered after April 2023 um, when you're paying the higher 26.5%. Now, of course, if you can get that, if your profits are normally £80,000 a year and you can get that down to 50000 then you're saving the you know the 26.5 and you're only paying the 19% on the on the 50,000 at the bottom um but on the flip side of that there's this thing called super deductions that came in in the budget so that's where you get 130% qualifying um plant and machinery um a deduction of 130% sorry and I believe that those super deductions are available until March 2023. So you might want to have a look at that sooner rather than later. One of the things um, that springs to mind is also that some clients might have a non-March year end. If they do, then when uh, April 2023 comes, what's likely to happen is that the it will straddle that, that year end. So it, maybe if you've got um, a high value contract or you know that your, your income might be going down round about that time, we might be able to play with play about with year ends and stuff like that. And what all that will do is that will crystallize the 19% bit in, um, you know, if we brought that year end forward to 31st of March, 2023, you're going to pay your 19%. And then going forward, your income or profits might be lower um so yeah some practical points of view on the lease would be that what we generally find is that when we have a new consultant that hasn't yet filed a set of limited company accounts with company's house they may well struggle to get a lease or even higher purchase for a company for an electric car so you may well have to wait until you get that first set of accounts in Okay, so that was super useful. And I think it's something that maybe, well, definitely med school didn't teach us about this, but the timing of when you buy these things can have an absolutely critical impact on the tax you pay, which is probably, yeah, we didn't get taught that in med school, but it is super important. Um, okay, so, and yeah, doctors love to talk about Teslas, uh, not, not a Tesla kind of, or car person myself, but people are. Uh, and I think it's a great point that you made about uh, yeah, the benefit in kind is great, but uh, on the on the back end, when you sell it, um, you don't just sell it tax free, right? There's that uh, I forgot what the rate you said was twenty six something percent when you sell the asset at the end. Yeah, so it's twenty six point five percent if you're in the marginal band. So if your profits are normally between fifty and two hundred and fifty, that bit is going to be at the marginal rate. Now you won't see that rate at, on the government's website because it's it's not an actual rate; it's just an effective rate of tax. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I think that's a really good point like uh, that you've made there. So um, you mentioned that a lot of your clients have been holding back cash uh, in the limited company, and this has helped with the annual allowance uh, pensions tax charges. How have the, char have the changes in the annual allowance had an impact on these types of clients? Yeah. So as you know, and, and I'm sure it's obviously been, like you say, covered to death on, on, on previous podcasts, but the annual allowance, the threshold income has now gone up to 200,000. Um, so as long as your taxable income um, each year is under 200,000, you're gonna get the full 40,000 allowable um, for annual allowance. Um, so your pension can grow by that and not have a tax charge. So 
Previously, we were restricted to 110,000. So clients may have structured their sort of long-term strategy to try and keep under that limit. And that might have meant, right, okay, well, that means we have to leave some behind. So typically, um, you know, we'll find that clients will live off their NHS income. Um, quite often, they might be husband and wife, both clinicians, and they're quite happy to live off their NHS income. And the private practice is used as a bit of a top-up, bit of a bonus, holidays, and, and, and just sort of nicer things in life. Um, that probably builds up. And, and over the life of the companies, what we find is that, you know, you get a couple of hundred thousand in the bank and it's not really earning any interest. It's not really doing anything for anybody. Um, so those sorts of clients might have tried to, to, to uh, decided to invest on the stock market, for example. Um, now, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. One thing that sort of springs to mind with the change in the tax rates would be that if you had any um, investments that were sort of pregnant with gains, so you might have something there that you've got on the balance sheet that you've had for a number of years um, that's potentially got a £50,000 gain on it, it might be worth looking at sort of um, asking the stockbrokers and trying to lock in that 19% um tax rate if you're going to be paying tax at 26.5 percent for example if you sold in in the right tax year um you can actually lock in that 19 percent gain now obviously there's going to be fees and there's going to be brokers um that would apply to that so you've got to take all of this into account and take the proper advice when when you're doing anything like that uh, but of course then you know, there's nothing to stop you to, you know, reinvesting that gain, but you've just locked in that 19%. Yeah. Um, ex the extraction of funds type uh, approach would be that um, we may have some clients that were already over 125,000, which is the limit where you start to lose, obviously between 100 and 125, you lose your personal allowance. Um or you might have, you know, you, you might have those ones that they might say, right, well, okay, well, I can take now up to 150,000 because that's the next step. The 150,000 is where the, the tax rate goes up on a dividend to 36.1%, for example. Um, so you could have that. So, or you could have, um, we sometimes get people that um, it might be better for them to, to stay under 100,000. Yeah, so I think uh, there's loads of reasons to stay under 100, really, isn't there? Childcare and uh, loss of... Um, so we're talking about loss of tax-free childcare if you go over 100. And also you start to taper your annual allowance between 100 and 125, right? That's right, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and that is that is something that's super interesting, that you could have the investments in the company, but to essentially realize them whilst uh, corporation tax is still uh, lower before the uh, thing comes in. And that's really interesting. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's something to think about. So I want to just get back onto something which we kind of brushed over at the start, but I think is really important. Uh, you, you mentioned associated companies. So for the benefit of the listeners who aren't aware about this, what are they and how do they have an impact? Okay, so Associated Companies is a legislation that's been in place for years. 
But actually what happened was uh, about 10 years ago, the main rate of corporation tax and the small rate of corporation tax was aligned so that it was both at 19%. So that meant that it didn't really matter how many associated companies you had, you were always going to just pay tax on your profits at 19%. This change, actually, this change in corporation tax brings back the associated company rules. Now, that could be um, an issue or certainly needs to be reviewed for any clients that might have structured their business so that they have more than one company. So they may have, they may have set up a, more than one company um, for any number of reasons. And what happens there is that if, if you end up with two companies, the rates that I mentioned before are actually halved. So you can't apportion it and say, well, well I'll have £10,000 in that company and 40000 in that one. It doesn't work like that. HMRC just basically say, no, you're having 25000 in that one and you're having 25000 in that one. Now, these are companies that are under your control generally. Um, so there's there's various complicated control issues that we have to test and the, the tests that we have to look at um, to make sure that we, we know that they're either associated or not. But of course, that can bring more money into the higher rate of tax. So it's really important for people to sort of look at how they are structured. Do they have more than one company? Um, but also, I can see a possible benefit in this as well for, for consultants. So um, I experience some consultants that might be husband and wife or both, you know, both actually doing private practice. They might have said, right, well, okay, we only need one company. We're going to put it all through one company and we're going to save on some accountancy costs and everything else and all the hassle. If their profits are over £50,000 going forward, we might be able to say, well, actually, should we should we operate as two companies now? So yeah, so they might have, they might have put their um, both of their income into the into one limited company. If their specialties are different, uh, which generally I would think that they are, there might be a possibility of actually using two companies in the future. And as long as those companies satisfy the tests, as in they're not commercially interdependent with one another, then that should satisfy the test so that you could actually have 50,000 in each company. Now, rolling back a, a, you know, to, to now, that might not be financially beneficial because you're paying more accountancy fees, for example. But actually, if we can save you four grand in tax, it's probably worth spending the extra bit on accountancy fees. Uh, and overall, take-home pay will, will increase. Um, yeah, uh, I love that. That's a that's a brilliant idea, and I think um, quite a few doctors uh, would fulfil those criteria. So, um, if you were a private consultant listening to this, you've just started in your private practice, and maybe you haven't even thought about your trading structure or or any of this kind of stuff, and your head is about to implode uh, or explode. What you know, give me give those kind of new consultants some really quick wins and things that i mean we've already given some things to think about but just get right into the, the real basics you've just uh, started your private job uh what what do you do what do they need to do next to get start a handle on the financials i think you need to you need to speak to somebody um that specializes 
in in medics that will be able to talk to you about your structure and how you want to go forward. Um, it's not always clear cut, and especially with the the new corporation tax rates, it's it's probably going to be less clear cut. But each individual has different circumstances. Uh, you could have a spouse or a partner that you know doesn't earn anything. Um, if so, we can use personal allowances and bans and stuff like that, um, and it can really sort of help your take-home pay. However, you could be both earning significant amounts. You could have already set up, a, you know, uh, you could have already had um, quite significant investments, as in property, etc. Um, and you know, the the it might be more clear-cut to go straight down the sole trader route, um, and also. You know, from a less sort of financial point of view, um, from a practical point of view, that might be when you're first starting out, the sole trader might be less hassle for you to just actually get on, get earning the income, getting used to being in private practice. And then once you've established yourself, there's nothing then to stop you then to say, right, well, okay, from now on, I'm going to trade as a limited company. Um, But I think an initial chat, um, most accountants, most specialist accountants as well, will offer a no obligation chat um, give some give some practical advice and then you can take it from there and if you if you want to take certainly our services up after that then that's fine um, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of accountants will be that that way absolutely yeah i think the the point that you made there is that each of our individual financial circumstances are so different and what's right for your friend who is also a private consultant maybe doing the same specialty earning the same amount as you may not be right for you because each of you has unique uh, financial circumstances and taking the right advice from the right people who know what they're talking about is vital so thank you so much for your time today richard i know how busy you are because your phone just rang but don't worry we'll edit that bit out <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry about that. It's absolutely no problem. Uh, if people are liking what they're hearing, I will drop your contact details in the show notes below. Uh, but what what is the best way to get a hold of you? Um, if you if you drop an email or, or phone the office, um, normally what we do is we arrange a, a convenient time to call you back, um, and yeah, we'll take from there. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. I'll let you get back to work uh, because no doubt the phone's about to ring again. Take care. Thanks, Tommy.